the blood of Jesus poured out that we might enter into covenant with you. We thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Coming to a greater knowledge of you and thereby we find ourselves in you through covenant. As we know your character, your nature, we find that which is now ours through the blood of the covenant. We praise you and we magnify you for giving your life that we might have life. That we might experience life as you ordained it to be, your kind of life, your quality of life. In the midst of a lost and a dying world, we experience that which is divine. That's what supersedes the temporal, takes us into the eternal. The very life of God through the blood of Jesus becoming ours, flowing through our veins. God, help us to realize, recognize, and understand that in our generation where so many are confused and moving away, bring a revelation to our hearts of the truth of what you've done for us and who we now are in you. We ask you for utterance to convey that. But not just that, but you would encounter every heart and in every life to bring forth light and revelation, flooding with that revelation, the hearts with light to know what is the expectation of what we're called to in our generation? That we might lead others into this amazing, life-changing covenant with you. Through faith in what you have done for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for filling this place, but not just being present with us. That you are inside of each and every believer to teach intimately and personally the things necessary for this life. That you, by your power, bring a deliverance from things of the past. You bind up the brokenness that's occurred. You reveal to us the declaration that the debt's been paid. You strengthen and heal our mortal bodies. Help us to see that more clearly. That we might, in a greater measure, have greater and greater experience with you and that life that you bring to us. We're so grateful and thankful, even now. Father, we take a moment to pray for our team members who are in Nepal. Thank you for the blood of Jesus and that covenant that offers them protection. We declare for every day, the angels guard round about them wherever they go. God, you strengthen them. By the Spirit of God, you anoint them for this time of ministry to the nations that they'll minister to, the Nepalese, the Indians. I thank you, Father. They have utterance, they have anointing to bring the message of the gospel with power and with demonstration. They have the safety that you cover them with. In all of their travels, in all of their ways, God. We thank you and we look forward to the report that they will bring home of the great things that you've done through them in reaching other people. We're thankful to be a part in reaching the world with the gospel, Father. We praise you and magnify you. We thank you. For for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit. You're so wonderful. We count on you. We count on you. Thank you for bringing clarity in confusion. truth to that confusion. Reveal truth to that confusion. For that confusion birthed out of a lie believed. So reveal truth. It's not as it's been told them. It's not the end. They haven't messed up so great the blood can't change everything. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know. You know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Prepare our hearts. Thank you, Lord. As only you can do. Hallelujah. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Amen. Good morning. How are you this morning? Man, good presence of the Spirit of God here with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody next to you. Say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Praise God. I want to remind you, uh, Brother Larry Hutton's going to be here, uh, Dr. Larry Hutton's going to be here uh, next Sunday in the morning and in the evening, so you want to come, you'll want to uh, bring people with you, great teacher of the Word of God, and um, uh, you'll want to come uh, to that. I want to uh, just express, we did stand up and applaud you, but thank everyone uh, of our veterans that served our, our, our country, served us uh, um, with your life, with your time, all the families. Uh, that uh, uh, were a part of that. It's not just the person going, but the family. Uh, and we're so thankful for that. Amen. And uh, all that is uh, taking place. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. So glad that you're with us. We're in the middle of a series uh, uh, we call Divine Connection. And uh, we're talking about covenant and covenant connections. And, and so uh, I guess I call it divine. It's called covenant connections. I always get this, this title a little bit wrong. You would think I couldn't, wouldn't get it wrong since it's my message. But, um, you know, it wanders around a little bit. But covenant connections. Seems like every time I look at it, I call it covenant connections. Then it's divine connection. And then I call it divine connection. And it's covenant connection. Are you all back there playing tricks on me? No, they're not. It's just my own brain that gets mixed up. But uh, these covenant connections, I believe, are so important to us. And uh, so often, because of the world that we live in, we don't understand covenant. And even in, in Christianity, we've come to the point of just trying to maybe escape, uh, you know, in the end, the world. We want to, you know, pray a simple prayer, continue our life as normal, and then just know that when I die, there's some sort of security. But that's really not the relationship that God planned for us to have. God didn't plan for us to even have an escape mentality. God didn't plan for us, right, to live here, to accept Jesus, to struggle, to be defeated every single day of our life, and then go to heaven. Why? The devil wins. And he didn't win. Jesus created and exercised victory over him. If we don't have victory in this lifetime, why did Jesus die? If the devil could reign over God's people until they died and went out of here, how... The devil's deceived us. The blood of Jesus receiving that covenant is changing everything. It's even made to change the makeup of our body, our system, our mind, and our thinking when we enter into that covenant. And so we've lost that. We've separated from that and thought, if I can just pray a prayer and, you know, there's no help for me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'll trudge through the wind and the snow in the winter till I die. Then I'll get a little cabin in the corner of glory somewhere. And it sounds very humble, but it goes against everything that Jesus did for us. He didn't die for us to barely get by. He died and gave his life so the life of barely get by and being dominated by sin and poverty and sickness and disease would be broken once and for all. And there would be an emergence of a brand new kind of life and a brand new quality of life that affected everything that we had because life was being infused. That at the new birth, there is a divine infusion. And there's so many terms in medical science that they come up with that we're, we're enamored by. But God brought us life. They've just learned from God. There was an infusion of the blood of Jesus that brought brand new life to us. You know, years ago, the, the, the prayer cloth, you know, when they started to come out, medical science started to come out with the patch. We're like, wow, isn't this amazing? You could just put a piece of cloth on your skin with medicine on it, and it could go into your body. Wow, well, God had that planned a long time ago. Yeah. 
when they prayed over claws and brought it to their body. We think, wow, how amazing that medical science, God had that plan, something that could be transferable to bring healing. And so when we really know the God we serve and the covenant that we have with him, God wants to break down things that really have held us back and the mindsets that come that who are we to even think? Well, in our natural mind, who are we to think? But God's already thought about us. The psalmist so puzzled, he said, man, look at this man that you've created in the scope of everything that you've created when we look at the world and the universe. Who is this speck, this man, that you are mindful of him, that you created him slightly lower than God, that you would pay attention to his every breath, his every moving, every hair on his head? Who is he? And yet we're like, well, I'm just trying to get by. God's like, I've counted the hairs on your head. I know the number of breaths in the life that you'll live because I am so interested in you, so joined with you, not to do what you want to do, but to join with you to do what I created you to do, to be who I created you to be. And he proved it through covenant. So here in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the 20th verse, just want to launch off of this. He says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Just say the blood blood. of the everlasting covenant. Say it again, the blood blood. of the everlasting covenant. Say it again, the blood blood of the everlasting covenant. Just want to get that on the inside of you. You have an everlasting, an everlasting covenant, covenant, not contract, covenant with the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. You are covenanted together with him. And even when I say that, we're like, "Hmm." so some of you know, but many, like, what is that? And that's why we're going to spend time on it, because it's so powerful. And the Bible speaks of it. It's an old covenant and new covenant. The whole Bible is about covenant. So it's hard to just bring Western language to covenant understanding. Because we don't really, in Western language, we don't understand covenant. We understand contract. We understand selfishness more than selflessness. But covenant's a lot more about selflessness than it is selfishness. Jesus said, speaking of covenant, so we can read over it and then go, hmm, this seems pretty harsh. But when you understand covenant, it's not. He said, if you look to save your life, After you've acknowledged covenant, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life into covenant, you will find it. And if you understand covenant, you're like, ba-bam. Wow, I get it. Because when I stood there in the blood, I relinquished my life. And I found his life, which became mine, which was the life I was created to live. But wait a minute, there's some things in my life I want to keep. He says, don't, 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 don't do that. I've got better for you than even the best that you want to keep. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. So, just quickly, we talked about this bond, this bond of the covenant. There's one that sticks closer than a brother. That's this blood covenant, how they refer to it, blood's thicker than water. Uh, Blood is thicker than mother's milk. This binding uh, covenant is bound by life. When we understand it, it's bound by life. You break covenant, in the old historical way, you break covenant, it's worthy of death. It's worthy of death. So we see the wages of sin is death. The gift of God was covenant to bring 
eternal life through that covenant. Praise the Lord. And so it's binding in the sight of God. It's binding. In that bond, there is this, throughout the scripture, it talks about this covenant kindness, this covenant friendship, this covenant mercy. When we talk about being a friend of God, when Jesus, even when, uh, you know, we look at it and there's a couple of people that God spoke face to face and he called them friend. Well, he wasn't just going, hey, buddy, ain't this something? He was saying, you are a covenant. We're in covenant relationship. Therefore, you're my friend, a covenant friend. And when Jesus said, I'm not going to call you servant anymore because the servant doesn't know what the master's doing, he didn't just say, we'll pal around like buddies. He said, no, we're going to enter into a depth of covenant friendship. That because of that covenant friendship, you and I will know what the Father has said and what the Father is doing. So that together... We don't miss out on what the Father's talking about. But in covenant friendship, we serve one another. So there's a difference between a servant that doesn't know what his master is doing and then somebody who is a bond servant through covenant. So again, I got I to cut this off. I don't know why I'm saying this, but... Um, we read, we read the letters that the, that the Apostle Paul and Peter wrote to the churches. And how do they start? We like, we like to immediately talk about our gifts. I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I, I, I have gifts, I have talents. But they never started to approach it that way. They would address and they would say, I am Paul, I'm Peter, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and an apostle. What were they saying? A bond servant is not one that is under the, 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 the servitude of a master. It's one who has, by their own choice, decided to yield their will over to another. They said, I am a one that by choice entered into covenant with him, and I yielded my life and the will and the future of my life over to him. And in that covenant action, that covenant process, he released gifts to me as a part of covenant and made me an apostle. See, sometimes we're trying to get a hold of the gifts that he gave for covenant without entering into blood covenant and things start to get a little wonky. But I'm way ahead of myself, so we're not even at gifts yet. But there's a great bond to the covenant that goes on. There's power in blood. We talked about the power in blood over contract. Why? Because all the life of all flesh is in the blood. So I want to just say this again. That, you know, when we talk about the old covenant and the new covenant, we try to get the understanding of mixing that together because of the blood of bulls and goats. Because of the way that was sprinkled, there, it wasn't the life of a human life. It wasn't the exchange fully of life. So the covenant of the old became transactional. So when we look just simply back to that, we get back into transactional mentality. If I do this, then God does this. If I do this, then God does this. So because I did this, God needs to do that. If I do this and God doesn't do that, God messed up. Well, we know God's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, will he not do it? And then the new covenant, it's not transactional. Why? Because it's not by the blood of bulls and goats that we can't partake of that life. That life was given as an atonement to cover our sin. But under the new covenant, the Lamb of God, when we take communion, it's a type and a symbol of the blood shed, and we partake of that very life on the inside of us. And now it's not transactional. The very life of God has come to live on the inside of it. So I'm not doing it so that if I do it, God will do this. I'm doing it because Christ is doing it in me. And the result of the action of doing what Christ does brings the blessing of the doing. That's why James says we can't just be hearers of the word, but we should be doers of it. 
because we'll find the blessing in the doing. Not do it, now somebody pay me for doing it. It's the payment's been made to give me new life, to do something different than I've ever done before. And I do it, don't do it apart from him, expecting him to do something. I do it with him in me and me in him. Why? Because we've been covenanted together. Bond, blood, life's blood. Life's blood, not contract. The purpose of a covenant is always for strength. Praise the Lord. So the process and the promise. So first of all, we start off the process of the covenant. And again, you can study. There's little different nuances to different covenants, however you study them. We'll, we'll kind of put them in, in, in to get a, a greater understanding. We started this. First of all, the promises are made. We saw in Genesis chapter 15 where uh, he's, he's already talks to Abram about who he is, who he wants to be with Abram. So he comes back in Genesis chapter 15. Again, he says, I'm the Lord God uh, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees. And, and Abraham says, or Abram at that time says, that's great. That's awesome. You're the almighty God. You're talking to me. But uh, I have an issue with my life. I don't have an heir. So even if I have a relationship with you, there's no legacy that's going, that can be created because the one in my house is Eliezer, and uh, he's not of my bloodline. And, and God said, nope, this won't happen to you. I'm going to give you a son. He said, come outside with me and look at the stars in the sky and tell me if you can number them. And Abram's like, After a long time, he said, this is very difficult. And so rather than counting them, uh, I'll just believe you. <laughs> and it says, he believed God, and it was accounted to him to rights for righteousness' sake. So he believed. He said, God, you're speaking this to me. I believe it. You promised me a heritage. I don't know how that's going to happen, but you promised. How will I know that it will happen? So God, first of all, the promise is made. So we see covenant after covenant of the Old, Old Testament. God continues to renew. My promise to you is I will be your God. You will be my people. And through that, I will bring a Savior and a Messiah that will come for all men, not just you. And in that Messiah, all lives will be changed. The power of sin and separation will be broken, and the unity of a covenant will be brought through the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's my promise. And so we look at those promises. And, and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, Now, all the promises, we didn't come to you with a message of yes and no and maybe so. I added that. Sorry, shouldn't have. But it's not yes and no, but it's yes. When we look at the promises of God, God says yes, but he's looking for our affirmation. Yes. I... I say yes to your promise, that every promise of God has its yes and its so be it in Christ. Or if you understand covenant and you are engrafted in covenant into Christ Jesus, then every promise of God is in Christ Jesus and it is yes. So then we go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And God says that everything that pertains to life and godliness belongs to you through the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of him. That through God's own glory and his own virtue, of his own power, of his own goodness, of his own moral excellence, he made exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these promises, every promise from the Adamic fall, when he said, listen, the seed of woman will bruise your head, serpent, and you'll bruise his heel. I will bring redemption to all mankind. I will purchase their life back onto myself, and I'll put them in covenant with me. It started then, and it came through to the understanding right now that every promise of God has its yes and an amen. They're exceedingly great. They're exceedingly precious promises. For what purpose? That we might partake of the divine nature. 
Not so we can hang around in sin until we leave this world, but that we can partake or be infused with the very nature of God by his Holy Spirit through blood covenant. That's the promise. Say, well, there's exceedingly great, and every single promise is to lead to that end. Every single promise of God that we possess. Well, I'm trying to get that financial promise. I'm trying to get that healing promise. And so he said, be careful of that transactional thinking. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says now, pay a little attention here. God cares about you. But people without covenant, people without covenant, he says Gentiles, he said they work all day. They worry day after day about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to put on. He said, but you should not worry about those things every single day. Do you not know the Lord your God who closes the lilies of the field, who don't work hard every day, but he clothes them? How much more precious are you to him than them? Look at the sparrows, how he feeds them. Are you of not much more value to him than them? See, the world would like you to think you're not of more value. We're all equally here together, but no, you are of much more value to God than them. Are they of value to God? He's saying, absolutely. I clothe them in beauty. I feed them. But you are more valuable to me than they are. So he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the entrance into the domain of God through righteousness, which comes through the covenant that we have through Jesus Christ. And in your understanding of the righteousness of God, and through that righteousness with God that came through the blood of Jesus in covenant, you became in right relationship, restored to right relationship. What is that right relationship? His life in me, my life in him. Because the very created beginning, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. And he formed man uniquely out of all creation. He said, light be and light was. Let the permanence be separated. And then it says, he created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Just said he created. Whether he said birds be or whether he just took the dirt and created them. But he stops and he pauses and he said he took dust and he formed man uniquely. In his image and in his likeness. And then he took him and he performed mouth to mouth. And he breathed his very existence into that creation. And man became alive unto God. with all the authority that God had bestowed upon him. And he went against that and he sold out. And what happened? The Spirit of God left him. And the very intent for God and the union that he had and the dominion that he had died. But God throughout time said that's not how it should be. That you're off running on your own just trying to figure it all out. But I want to live in you and have you live in me. So he sent Jesus and he said, this is righteousness. This is the right relationship. Not that you pray a prayer and you walk over here and imagine me up in heaven somewhere. And we're so far apart, but someday we're going to get together. No, he said, at this moment... That we make covenant. You acknowledge the covenant through Jesus Christ. 
and turn from your sin, I am going to enter into you. And the moment that my spirit enters into you, something begins to happen, a restoration of the relationship that was created from the beginning, righteousness. And with that relationship comes all the power and authority to live above sin in a right way. To live in the right way God designed for us to live. Having dominion, subduing the things that would try to subdue us, dominate the things that would try to dominate us. It's a new kind of life, a new quality of life. It's a new concept, but it's covenant with God. How powerful it is. So the promise is made. That's a powerful promise. I spent too much time on the promise. All right, so the promise is made. They slay the animal. They, they, they take the sacrificial animal. They cut it right down the back. The pieces fall apart from each other, uh, letting know two that will be joined as one. There, there was one. Now it's two. In covenant, you'll be joined as one. The blood must be shed. And so when they come together in that blood that's shed, that's, that's what God said. He said, how will I know that this promise will be true? And he said, go get the animals. We're going to cut a covenant. So Abram already knew what covenant was. He knew, man, if God cuts a covenant with me, if he makes a covenant with me, then this is binding unto death. That's how he could encourage himself after five years, after 10 years, after 15 years of not having a son. It said he didn't grow weak in faith, but he always strengthened himself in faith, knowing that what God had promised, he was well able to perform it because he had covenant. Sometimes when it's taking time, we're just like, we give up. But we shouldn't give up because when we look at the cross, we look at the blood of Jesus, we take communion and a reminder of that. We're like, if he said it, he's well able to perform it. Maybe not in my timing, but I won't get discouraged. I won't get weak in faith because if he promised it, I have a covenant with God. He will perform it. And so that, that falls down in, in between the pieces, however many are there, uh, the blood falls down. And where that blood is, they walk in that blood. The representatives, they find the representatives, usually the princes, but sometimes the individuals that come. And they come together and they stand in the way of the blood. Jesus being that representative, we talked about it. He's the representative, son of God, son of man. He represents man and God both on the cross and he split right down the middle and spread out for the whole world to see. His blood flowing and dropping at the base of the cross. So that when we come to the cross to make him Lord, we're standing right there. Come on, use your imagination with me. The Bible says to cast down thoughts and imaginations that are contrary to God. We always pick up on those. Let your imagination imagine that you're standing in a place ready to make a covenant with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So they're standing there in the way of the blood. They come together. Tasha, come up here for a minute. We have not practiced this, so this could not go well. But they began by starting this way, back to back. Just back to back. So they start. The animals are spread out. The blood's everywhere. And so they begin like this. We are separate now. But we will begin to make a walk. All right, so we're going to go to your left and make a figure eight. So they make this figure eight. And they walk around. And they cross at a meeting point in the way of the blood. But then they go and they finish the circle. And then they come out face to face. So the whole sign was we were opposed to each other. But now we come together standing opposite, face to face. When you see that Jesus talked to somebody face to face, it means they have a covenant with him. So they stood there in the blood, knee deep in the blood. Jesus, when it says, you know, again, getting to gifts, when it says, listen, he gave gifts to men. How do we know? Because the one who ascended or descended is the one that ascended, and the one who descended is the one who ascended. He made the figure eight to complete the cycle so he could stand face to face and begin a divine exchange. So they exchanged their robe. Okay, I'm, going, I'm trying to get to the next point here. All right, you can be seated. 
So they exchanged their robe. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, go there. I'm stuck in my coat. Somebody help me. <laughs> my watch is, there you go, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel 1.18. Sorry, I spent too much time on review here. Praise God. He said, now when he had finished speaking Saul, uh, to Saul, the soul of non- Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day, and he would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword, his bow, and his belt. And so we know that God has given us his robe of righteousness. Last week we talked about that. You can go to, to Colossians chapter 3. It says if you've been raised with Christ, if you understand this process of death, burial, and resurrection, if you raised with Christ, you made an exchange. The old man you have given unto him. So take off the old man because you're standing there in covenant. Having completed the cycle, having stood at the cross, you denied yourself. This is where repentance is so uh, important, right? I don't just come and go, here's my, oh, my way. When we, when we see the covenant, we're basically doing a figure eight. I am letting down my life. What hope do I have? I cross here at the death of the cross, and then I complete, and I come around to resurrection life, newness of life. So he said, if you've then been raised with Christ, if you've repented of your sin, turned away from it, come through the cross of Jesus Christ to resurrection life. So the call to repentance is huge. People want to say, I want a covenant with God. No, you don't get to just jump around and go, huh? No, you get to complete the same cycle that he did, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, just as he died, was buried and raised from the dead, and will never die again, so in like manner, you die, you repent from your sin, you come around to newness of life, now, because you've left sin, sin no longer has dominion over you. Covenant. We've left that out. Just come to the front, pray the prayer. Forgive me of my sin, but there's, in that forgiveness, there's a repentance to complete. So now I'm standing here, having repented of my sin, having died to self, raised to Christ. He died, raised from the dead. We're standing here. I give him my old man. He gives me his new man. I give him my old weaponry of bitterness, anger, strife, how I protect myself in every situation. And he gives me his armor. He gives me the belt of truth. He gives me the breastplate of righteousness. He gives me the shoes of peace. He gives me the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. So he is exchanged in this covenant as we stand and look at the cross and he's divided in two and we stand there and we say, I'm standing in the blood of Jesus. I'm standing in the way for he's the way, the truth, and the life. I'm standing there at the moment I accept the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He gives me his robe, which is his life, that newness of life that's, that's expressed in the new man in Colossians and other places. And then he gives me his armor. He gives me his life and he gives me the power to live it. He gives me his life and the power to live it. When we understand covenant, when the enemy comes, which he's going to come, all the situations and circumstances of life come to us. But we are not without help. We're not without hope. When the enemy comes and says, why don't you do this? This is your life. You say, no, that's not my life anymore. I've left that life and I've come around to receive his life. You are powerless against these sins, these things that are connected to your flesh. You're powerless against uh, immorality. You're powerless against sex, addiction, all those things. You're just powerless. And we go, I guess I'm powerless. He says, no, I've given you my authority, my weaponry, my armor. You are not powerless. You are powerful. 
Why? Because you're so powerful? No, you would be defeated on every front in your own armor, your old, old life. But because you cut a covenant with him, his life is now your life. His strength and his armor is now your armor. So we stand against every strategy of the enemy. We are victorious over the strategies of the enemy because we know we have a covenant with our God. I'm not trying to get something. I got his life. I got his strength. I have his power. And in all that life, everything that he promised that goes with that life, the idea of prosperity, the idea of health, the idea of his soundness of mind, the idea of knowledge, the idea of the gifts of the Spirit, they all come not because I'm somebody, not because he's out there and I'm here and we're trying to make this transactional exchange. We've made an exchange of life, of power, of authority. Right there, God's looking, he's watching that we declare, basically, we acknowledge the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're standing in the blood. After they've made that exchange, they take those promises, and the princes will cut themselves somewhere, generally on their arm. And they'll take those promises between both groups of people, they will raise their hands towards heaven. They'll raise their hands towards heaven. And they will declare the promises and swear before their God upon those promises. Man, it's powerful. Listen to this. Come on. Praise God. Isaiah chapter... 62 in verse 8 says the Lord has sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength surely I will no longer give your grain as food to your enemies and the sons of your uh, of the foreigners shall not drink your new wine for which you have labored it says in acknowledging a covenant they have with God it says that God raised up his own right hand they're expressing covenant. They raise their own right hand. They mingle their blood together. And they swear by this covenant. And so Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 says this. And for when God made a promise to Abraham, uh, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you. And multiplying I will multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So people who understand covenant, when they make an oath and they bind and mingle their blood and swear by that, he said, there's no more dispute. It's over. God said, I stood I pass as an oven of smoke and a fire in between the pieces with Abram. And I swore to the promise by myself because there is no greater than myself. God, by his own right hand, declared and swore by himself to fulfill the promise to Abram which carries to us because that promise was throughout all generations to get Jesus into the earth, to make a covenant with every person. He said, so it should end all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutable immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. He said, man, there's something going on. They're mingling their blood. The blood of God, the blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf, carrying a covenant to us. He swore by himself there was no greater, that he would fulfill every promise to us through this covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. That we would begin to understand 
that all dispute is over. All the questioning of the enemy, of who we are, what we're going to do, how enable, uh, or, or how uh, impossible it is for us to rise above the day-to-day fray and live this life that seems so, so at such a high standard that we could live it, and we can't live it. And that's not the question. We can't live it if we retain our old man. You just can't. But because you've entered into a covenant and you've received his robe, his very life and his very nature, and because he's given you his armor and he's declared the the, the promise of the covenant and mingled his blood with the blood of mankind and sealed it. And once they seal it, they put gunpowder, they put some substance in it so that it will make a scar. So in times of battle, in times of question, Many times, even when there was a whole regiment going out and people would come against them, they would all raise their hand and show their scar. So God makes a covenant with Abram. And he said, now, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to get every male and I want you to circumcise them. Because that will be the covenant scar. The covenant scar. Wow. Not too many people are going to raise their covenant scar. (laughs) But there was a knowing. David won because he looked at Goliath and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of God? I have a covenant with God. I can prove it. I have a scar. He has no scar. Therefore, God is on my side. How could I fear what this giant would do to me? God's on my side. So he said, listen, I'm going to do something extraordinary in the blood of the covenant with Jesus Christ. I'm going to leave you a scar. It's called circumcision of the heart. And he said, and I've given you my word, my promise. And my word is alive. It's powerful. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So that it has the ability to show up the dividing line between your soul and your spirit. The word of God shows the day you were born again and you became spiritually alive, no longer strictly dominated by your soul, but now alive unto the spirit. And the word of God shows up where God circumcised your heart and you became spiritually alive. So the world doesn't know it. Jesus said they won't know it because they neither, the the spiritual things they can't comprehend because they don't know him. But he said, but you know him. Because he's going to be in you. So when we take the word of God, it's alive. And the circumcision of the heart, that scar, that moment we made Jesus the Lord of our life. And things of God became tangible, real, noticeable, understandable to us. The word of God shows up that moment we got born again. And shows us the spiritual life that we now live by faith in the son of God. That we live a different kind of life, a different quality of life. We don't live the same old life. We go out from here knowing the life of God is in us to live. Why don't you stand up? Sorry about that. I didn't get as far as I wanted. That was a lot of review. I'll try to do better next service. So if you want to hang around, we'll do better. So important to me right now. I don't, I, I'm trying to figure out all the whys. Maybe you know the whys, but knowing this covenant relationship, the depth of it, to bring us into the freedom to live the life of God, not circle around our old life. Moving into the new year, there's something so very important about it. And we'll come to the gifts and the callings of God. They're part of covenant. They're not just part of a show. They're part of something so solid that God gave us because of covenant reality. And I tell you the truth, I'm not lying. I mean, I've asked God, don't ever let me get comfortable just preaching because I know the people. I'm telling you this message, I I shake almost every day before I come in here. The gravity of this message of covenant is so powerful. Listen, I'll get to talking again, but I'm just going to tell you. At the end, we're going to take communion. I hope it's it's the best communion you've ever taken. Because when he says, 
You eat and drink in an unworthy manner. He's like, you don't even get covenant. And now you're sick and some die and things happen because you're just partaking of this like a religious ritual. But it's not. It's a remembering covenant. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I magnify you. I glorify you, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Help us. Help me to communicate. Help us to hear what you're saying. That even today, no one leaves like they came. That you're ministering the life, the power, the strength of this covenant. That the labor of works and religion starts to fall off. And the joy of this newness of life, it's not a drudgery to live this life of Christ. What a joy. What an honor. What a privilege to live without guilt and shame. Free of the things that bind us. But it doesn't come from us. It comes from the covenant. Newness of life. I speak that over each and every one. The revelation of newness of life. The old man is dead. New creation life. Sin no longer no longer can dominate when there's a knowledge of covenant. So I thank you for the freedom and the liberty that this revelation will bring to each one of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the spirit of truth. Witness of and minister the truth of this covenant to each and every one I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.